When I named the Baconator, I remember in their brief, they wanted a name for this bacon cheeseburger that truck drivers could order and like wouldn't feel embarrassed when I came up with a Baconator. I'm like, yes, this is a truck driver name. Yeah, it works like, you know, while, you know, it could have been the cutie bacony burgery thingy <laughs> and that wouldn't have worked. The Baconette. Right? The Baconette. Bacon <laughs> Can I have a bit the bacon, so, the baconita, the baconista. Oh yeah, like the baconista. Like that would be yeah, all baconista. Wrong. <laughs> Extra bacon. That would be all wrong. Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Everyone Hates Marketers.com, the No Fluff Actionable Marketing Podcast for people sick of marketing bullshit. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, you'll learn how to come up with memorable brand names that stand the fuck out. My guest today is the chief executive boss lady of Eat My Words, the leading authority on brand names. She's the author of the Brand Name Bible. Hello, my name is Awesome, how to create brand names that stick. I've discovered this book actually two years ago at this stage, doing research for my own book and for my own methodology. I fucking loved it. So actionable, well-written, funny. And I agree with pretty much everything that uh, the, the author said, uh, which is rare. Um, I've analyzed and reanalyzed that book. I took thorough notes of it. So that's why I was telling my guests earlier that I wouldn't really need to prepare for this uh, episode, even though I did. Anyway, her own name, Hall of Fame, includes Wendy's Baconator, uh, the Smitten Ice Cream, the Church of Cupcakes, etc., etc. She's the OG. She's the GOAT, as they say, in the US of A. Alexandra Watkins, welcome aboard. Thank you so much. That was a fun introduction. I genuinely, you know, want to thank you for, for, for doing the work you do. It's, it's, it's really, really good. Like your book is really good. I have so many notes around it and, and all of that. But anyway, let's go deep into the, the topic straight away, right? Um, what do you think of my podcast name? Oh my gosh, I love your podcast name. It's like, yeah, because everyone does hate marketers. And it's definitely like I'm on a lot of podcasts and yours is super memorable compared to a lot that I'm on. So yeah, kudos on that. Clearly, it seems a lot of people believe that um, memorable, name, memorable names like mine would only be for like non-boring industries, you know, like B2C, edgy. You know, you can have a memorable, memorable name uh, if you are into like, you know, creative and all of that. But for like B2B boring industries, no, you know, you should really stick to easy, ordinary, don't ruffle any feathers. What do you say to that? I always say B2B shouldn't stand for boring to bland. And we have worked with a lot of companies that are B2B companies and recognize that people are people and you don't lose your sense of humor just because you're at work or, you're so, or you need to have a personality to your brand. So an example of one that we did was a law firm, and it's owned by a woman named Layla Benajamali. And she knew when she was starting out that her name would be hard for people to spell, pronounce, and remember, And which is that I totally agree with. A name should be intuitive to spell, easy to pronounce, and easy to remember. So she, her firm worked with uh, startups a lot, helping, this is in San Francisco, and they help startups uh, get all their foundational documents. And so she wanted a name that would speak to that. So we rebranded them Bedrock, and because it's all about having a solid foundation. And she said when the name changed, what happened, because she had been using her own name, Layla Benajamali, and when the name changed to Bedrock, they started attracting the type of clients that they wanted to work with. 
And that's what happens. Like with your name, Everyone Hates Marketers, I'm sure you attract the type of guests that you want to have on your show, right? Kind of fun guests, guests that aren't afraid to curse. And uh, so, yeah, they attracted who they wanted to attract. And that's what happens when you have a name that differentiates you. And like our name, Eat My Words, it definitely helps attract clients that want names that have personality versus a name like Strategic Name Development that attracts who they want to attract. But when you have a name that has a personality, sure, you're not, it's not for everyone, but the people that it is for are going to flock to you. What I tend to notice with the podcast, just talking about it a bit, like with the guests coming in, is it's not that necessarily attract people as guests that wouldn't come on any other podcast that are more traditional, should I say. It's more that they seem to behave differently, which is quite funny to see. You know, a few would say, you know, oh, yeah, I can curse here. And so they, they really they really seem to like be a bit more themselves, or at least that, I, I hope that's the vibe. And so behavior changed, which is which is interesting, just with the name and, and the clear positioning. Um, the other thing that you say in your book that I really like, uh, before we go into kind of a deep step by step, uh, you give this example of those 10 names that would have been killed by focus group testing, right? Like, or at the committee, the white men wearing suits in their 50s saying, are you sure? You know, we probably need to do like something a bit more soft. So what do you say to people who are like testing their ideas, testing their names to like a group of people over and over again until everyone is happy? Yeah, I don't believe and no namer believes in focus group testing because when you ask someone, what do you think? And it doesn't need to even be a formal focus group. It can be sending a survey monkey to people you know. When you ask people, what do you think of this name? What they hear is what don't you like about this name? And when you ask someone for their opinion, it's an invitation to criticize. It looks like you're drinking straight vodka, by the way. Oh, it is, yes, straight vodka. <laughs> In my book, I teach people what makes a name good, what makes a name bad. There's enough that you should know after reading my book or hiring a firm, a naming firm, of, is the name a good name? But yeah, just sitting around... It, just asking people what do they think, it's it's never a good idea. It's negativ negativity bias at play, right? Humans are just wired to come up with negative shit. And yes, the, the other issue with it is that they kind of trigger their rational brain, right? System two, which is like 5% of the time. And they over-rationalize everything and try to think of all the scenarios where this thing wouldn't work. This is the, the tension, right? Between the need to understand customers and humans pretty well, but also the need to not ask them crazy questions either. I'm just trying to like shoot your shot and just do something bold. Yeah, exactly. And names that are unfamiliar to people can make them hesitate or nervous because they want to sound like everybody else. But if you want to stand out, you need to really differentiate yourself. And some examples of names that could have been killed by focus groups, one is Coach. You know, Coach is a luxury brand, right? But if you think about Coach, Coach is also, you know, the worst part of an airplane to sit. Coach is, you know, a sweaty guy with a whistle. But <laughs> So people, when you have a name, people will assign new meaning to it. Another one is the wildly successful beauty company, The Body Shop. You know, someone in a focus group could have been like, ew, body shop. No, that's like my, you know, greasy mechanic and his waiting room is gross and has magazines from 1985. The, another one in your book is a Mac Cosmetics. You say, oh, it could, it makes me think of Big Macs and Ronald McDonald. 
Um, yeah. But they're quite famous, right? I mean, they sponsor RuPaul's Drag Race and other stuff. Um, so that's super interesting. I love that. And it's so true, right? You can you can find something negative to say about everything. And that's mm -hmm. why it's true. asking for feedback is a tricky, tricky thing. Going back to the, the premise of this episode, right? This is something we never talked about on the podcast. I've interviewed nearly 200 people at this stage. We never really talk about how to name something, to name a brand, to name a product before, at least not in depth. Let's talk about the type of names that are shit, right? Let's talk about the things that you really should never fucking do, naming-wise. I have an acronym, as you know, the full... I have the task called the Smile and Scratch Task, and SMILE is an acronym for the five qualities that make a name great, and Scratch is an acronym for when to scratch it off your list because it makes people scratch their head. So in Scratch stands for Spelling Challenge, and if your name looks like a typo... Scratch it off the list. And actually, a study just came out in the Journal of Marketing showing that consumers are don't like brand names that are misspelled. So, for instance, Tumblr without an E or, you know, Flickr is missing a vowel here or there. Tackle, T-A-K-K-L-E. People don't like that. Just spell it the correct way. And I know people are desperate to get an available domain name, but you can always add a modifier word if you can't get the exact name that you want. And then the C for C and Scratch stands for copycat. And we've all seen copycat names. And what's the first reaction when we see a name that's a copycat? We kind of roll our eyes and like, oh, they copied Twitter or they copied Spotify. Why be somebody else when you can be yourself? We all hate that, the copycats. Um, Pinkberry frozen yogurt has been copied more than any other brand I've ever seen, you know, Blissberry, Yoberry, um, Yumberry, Coolberry. There's so many of them. And people roll their eyes like, oh, they're cut. Like, you don't want that to be people's reaction to your brand name. So don't be a copycat. And copycat also opens you up to trademark infringement. And you want to make sure that you do your trademark research on your name before you start using it. So then you have the restrictive names. And I, that's pretty clever as well. That's not something I ever thought about. So like diapers.com. They don't sell diapers anymore. Yeah, did I say, yeah, diapers sells way more than diapers. They sell like all kinds of baby stuff. 1-800-Flowers sells more than flowers. Um, the 99 cent store, <laughs> 99 cent only here in the States. There's things for, you know, $1.99, $2.99, $3.99. Dollar Tree is now $1.25. 24-hour fitness is not open 24 hours in every location now. So yeah, you got to be really careful. Hotel Tonight used to be for booking a hotel that night. Now you can book a hotel up to 24 hours, up to 365 days in advance. Think about what your company could be like in the future and don't lock yourself in. Okay, so Scratch, we did uh, the S, uh, Spending Challenge, uh, the C, Copycats, the R, Restrictive, and then probably my favorite of all uh, of those ones, the annoying names like Toys R Us, for example. Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. In the book, I was like, yes, Fucking hate it as well. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That's your favorite letter in Scratch, Louis. It's just <laughs> everyone hates marketers. Everyone hates annoying names. So yeah, Toys R Us is grammatically incorrect in so many ways. So yeah, don't be grammatically incorrect. Don't spell your name backwards, for instance. A name that I just massacre in my book, it's spelled X-O-B-N-I. It's pronounced 
Zab ni and it's inbox spelled backwards, but nobody Button. knows that. People don't intuitively spell things backwards. Coast to coast with the two in your name, that's going to annoy people because they're going to, their email is going to get bounced back or they're not going to be able to find your website. Just because it's clever doesn't mean it's a good idea. In fact, because it's clever, it's likely not a good idea, right? People don't have time to think about your brand all day like you are. They don't give a shit. They will see you for like two seconds. They need to read it, understand it, remember it. So don't be clever. It's probably a good blanket statement. It's okay to be clever. Like we named a GPS for dogs retriever. That's clever. Yeah, but that, you know, it's clever. It's but not people get it. People, right. You, it's not overly clever. Yeah, don't be overly clever. I mean, Retriever is a hard. fantastic name for a GPS for dogs, you know, because obviously it's the a species of dog or whatever the, the fuck they're called. And uh, it's also the thing that you do with the, the GPS, right? You retrieve whoever has it. Yeah. And speaking of species, a name that's a total scratch name was an or organic baby clothing company. Like, I don't know how clothes are organic. Uh, I guess anything in San Francisco where it was can be organic. And it was spelled S-P-E-E-S-E-E-S. -E 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 yeah, that's the top one. And so on their website, they explain the spelling by saying that's how babies would spell species if babies could spell. That makes no sense. That was kind of an afterthought, I think, when people kept asking, like, well, what is the, why did you call it that? Or like, why is it spelled mm. that way? That's a reaction. Look, anytime you have to explain your name like that or make an excuse for it, you're essentially apologizing for it. And that devalues your brand. That's such a good point. And then we have T, tame names. They reveal nothing. I love that. Look at the name of your podcast, Everyone Hates Marketers. That is the least tame name. So if you are trying to find a marketing podcast and you're scrolling through them, like this one jumps out. I mean, even naming firm names, like people choose really boring names and I wanted my name to differentiate us. And, and we, Eat My Words started out naming things that make people fat and drunk, you know, like the Wendy's Baconator. And so that's why we're named Eat My Words. You don't want to be a wall, you don't want your name to be a wallflower. Curse of knowledge. So like only insiders would know it, right? For all of the engineers listening to this, for everyone that works at a tech company, you can totally relate because engineers are super guilty of this. Sorry, guys, but you are. I've worked with so many tech companies where they know the meaning of something, but they forget that nobody outside of their bubble does. Another curse of knowledge mistake that people make all the time is choosing a foreign word for their name. Like, uh, here's an example. This name is spelled M-Z-I-N-G-A, Mazinga. And who knows what that means? And it's loosely based on the Swahili word for hive. Who knows that? And you know what? They feel very almost smug and clever because they know that. And they're not going to be there to explain it to you. And that's the thing you have to remember. You are not going to be there to explain it to people. They're not going to take the time to dive into your website to find out that's how babies would spell species if babies could spell. Don't use foreign words because you know what? They're foreign. What do you say to people who think of like, let's say one or two business name that definitely doesn't, that matches some of the stuff that you shouldn't do and yet they're popular? They, you know, they say, well, this company does that. And so, you know, they, sure. it doesn't make sense. What do you say? That happens that? all the time. People are like, well, what about, 
Like it happened to me when I was having my book read by different editors at my publisher. And this woman said, well, what about Wells Fargo? Wells Fargo is a great name. It conjures up images of the old West. The name Wells Fargo does not conjure up those images on its own. It spent hundreds of millions of dollars on branding over the last God knows how many years. That's why it conjures up those images. But if they were to launch that name today, Wells Fargo, it says nothing about the brand. Oh, I love the name Kodak. Kodak doesn't say anything about being a, a photo, you know, a camera company. N- nothing about film. Zero. When you're starting out with a blank slate, don't give yourself any disadvantages and don't say, but Google, because there's the companies that we're thinking of, they've been successful despite themselves. Etsy is one of those names. I couldn't remember it for the longest time. I'm, I'm sure it's some foreign word for something. Another one is eBay. eBay would have been successful no matter what it, what it was named because it's such a it was such a breakout company, right? In concept, we're working with a company right now. It's an AI company and um, has something to do with photography. And they're like, we want a name like an iconic name that sounds like a camera company. But why? <laughs> why? Like, why don't you have a name that's meaningful to people instead of meaning less? So yeah, pe- and people want to feel clued in, not clued less. And so that goes back to the point that I make when I talk about standing out is the fact that you, exactly as you said, you want to give yourself the best chance, right? So every little thing counts. Your name, obviously, like your, your point of view, the, the the people you're after, the product. I mean, try to give yourself the best chance because you don't have the money, you don't have the credibility, you don't have the trust that all of those massive companies have. Here's a good kind of asset test is, would someone pay you to wear the name of your brand on a t-shirt? So people want to wear, you know, Michael Kors or, you know, on their purse or, you know, Gucci or Hermes. But how many years have those companies been around? Whereas if you have a cool name, like we named a frozen yogurt franchise, Spoon Me. And like from day one, they were printing T-shirts with that name and people were buying them. So, I mean, our client was from, you know, from the States and he was in Paris or and saw someone wearing a Spoon Me t-shirt in Paris. Like when people wear a t-shirt, they're paying you to advertise your brand for you. So instead of you paying for advertising, people are paying you to advertise your brand for you, not even for free, they're paying you. So it's not like, hey, here's a free t-shirt, advertise my brand. It's like, oh my God, I want something with Spoon Me on it. You know, where we named a nail salon in San Francisco, hand job. And people <laughs> want hand job t-shirts, hand job underwear. They want anything they can get with that name on it. That's people paying you to advertise your brand. So think about that. And that is a really high bar, but you can reach that bar. Let's say you're coming up with a new company or you want to rebrand, like rename or whatever. What's step one? What do you need to do first? Well, the first thing you need to do is not go to Google and try to find a name with an available domain name. I'm just going to put that out there. That's the last thing you need to do. Um, The first thing you need to do is complete a creative brief, and that is your roadmap for what your name needs to communicate. So you're going to write down what is, you know, in a nutshell, what is it that you're, you know, you're naming, who's your target audience, what are some desired brand experiences that you want people to feel when they come in contact with your brand name, 
What are some consumer insights that could influence the name? What's an acid test for saying the name in a sentence? So, you know, what are examples of brand names that you like? What are examples of brand names that you don't like? So just get it all down. It's it's in my book. I also have an online course. It's 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 in the course as well. So once you have the brief, then you have something to start with. And most people don't start with anything. They just start by sitting in a conference room, throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks. And sitting in a white room, staring at a whiteboard is not how colorful names materialize. You know, not at all. Not. So let me oh, stop you here because I want to yeah. get deeper into that step a bit. There's one thing that I really like about the, the brief structure that you put together, which is design brand experiences. And it's it's a maybe we can touch a bit on that because you said the best names evoke a positive brand experience that makes a strong emotional connection, right? So emotional is a buzzword. Everyone uses emotional, but you're using it in the right sense, like this tastes delicious or I will feel better. So how do you want people to feel when they see or hear the name, right? I'm just reading literally the book right now. Any example of that? Like how do people get to that answer? When I named the Baconator, and, and I did that as a freelancer for another firm, by the way, Strategic Name Development. I remember in their brief, they wanted a name for this bacon cheeseburger that truck drivers could order and like wouldn't feel embarrassed to order. Like it couldn't be like, this happens a lot. Like we're naming something and it can't skew too feminine because men need to be comfortable with the name. And that greatly influenced, like when I came up with the Baconator, I'm like, Yes, this is a truck driver name. It's so good because the brief itself is so simple, right? Like you, you mentioned it in like an, in a sentence and yet so powerful, right? Like it creates the constraint that you need for creativity. And so, yeah, could they imagining that could a truck driver say that I want the Baconator? Yeah, it works like, you know, while, you know, it could have been the cutie bacony burgery thingy <laughs> and that wouldn't have worked. The Baconette. Right? The Baconette. <laughs> can I have a bit the bacon, so, the baconita, the baconista. Oh yeah, like the baconista. Like that would be yeah, all the baconista. Wrong. <laughs> Extra bacon. That would be all wrong. I should look sometime and see what all those other names were. So many times, names that we come up, the name that the client chooses isn't the, isn't our favorite name. But yeah, in that case, they pick the right one. Um, but like with Spoon Me, they wanted a name that teens would would want to wear on a t shirt, that they would be proud to wear on a t shirt. And so, like, names that we came up with for Spoon Me, one of my favorites was Siberia because they were in Utah, and Utah is a state in the United States that is very conservative. There's a lot of Mormons there. And they also, they weren't afraid of having a name that was edgy or racy, and that's, you know, Spoon Me is kind of one of those names. But Siberia was fun because Utah kind of is Siberia. It's really, it's it's an outlier. It's It's very different and kind of removed from the rest of the world in a lot of ways. And so Siberia made sense. And it would be fun for kids to say, hey, mom, I'm going to Siberia. You know, so that's what we're looking for. Like, how does somebody feel when they say the name? So and a lot of people, you know, they want their name to communicate trust. Well, here's the thing about trust in your name. Would you buy a used car from trusty Sid? You know, probably not. Right. So trust in your name can sound disingenuous, like you're trying too hard. And there's plenty of other ways that you can communicate trust in your branding and your marketing, whether it's, you know, having a website with a lot of testimonials, having really having strong design, having good quality business cards, all of that stuff that communicates trust. 
more than a name because the name, you know, you can't put lipstick on a pig and you can't put lipstick on like a sleazy used car guy. Thank you. I don't. But, um, just a quick, a quick thought on, on something, right? I um, created a course around like three years ago, a cohort-based course. And on a whim, I thought about it forever, like the name, the name, the name. And I call it Stand the Fuck Out, right? The you being with the star, right? <laughs> and I didn't really think much of it. I didn't know if it was that good. But what happened was after a few weeks, I realized people were using it as an expression to say, you know, I want to stand the fuck out too which is like they understand the principle of like taking risk and going all the way in and, and, you know, doing something distinctive. So it reminds me that this is the experience I wanted uh, people to like to feel like they are proud to say it, which is quite fun. Oh, my God. I love Stand the Fuck Out. And it's so funny because that's what your name should do. It should stand the fuck out, just like everyone hates marketers and eat my words and spoon me. Like If you look at spoon me in a list of like all the different frozen yogurt stores. It stands the fuck out. We named a cupcake store, the Church of Cupcakes, same thing. It's so much better than differentiate your brand or yeah, your name, yeah, your name shouldn't be a wallflower. Yeah, I can say your name shouldn't be a wallflower. It needs to stand the fuck out. I mean, I always say it needs to, you know, stand out in a sea of sameness, but yeah, I'm going to change that to stand yeah. the fuck out. But and it's by the way, just it's a it's trademark in the US. Just you know, just to let you know. Oh, and it's trademarked. Yeah, no, it's not trademarked. You can't get you can't get I a trademark. trademark with anything with fuck in it. Like I love promise that. you, uh, um, the, the the fuck the, without the U instead uh, the star symbol instead of the U. I promise you, it's trademarked. oh, this is a thing. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you did trademark it. Okay. By the way, I know great. I know a great trademark attorney, Joey Vitale. He's like the eat my words of trademark attorneys. If anyone uh -huh. needs a recommendation, I'd be happy to introduce you. Yeah, so that... We talked about creative oh. brief, okay? Putting that together, thinking of the experience. Um, again, like folks can, you know, read the book for more details about this or like how to put together a creative brief and whatnot. Let's say we have that. What do we do next? What's step two? Go through your creative brief and pull out words. Not words that would be good names, just words that could help you um, with spoon me. I pulled out the word cold because it's a cold, refreshing treat. Frozen yogurt is. And then I just started looking. I started playing with the word cold. So I went to a thesaurus and I looked and people were like, why would you go to a thesaurus? Like everyone knows what, you know, we all know things that are cold, but n we don't know as many as the thesaurus. And like the internet is your friend. So, you know, that's where I got the name Frigid. And Siberia came from a thesaurus as well. I went to a uh, photo database, right? So a stock photo library, Google Images. I start typing in cold. I type in cold. I'm going to get people blowing their nose, you know, like Kleenex. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, wrong one. So I try cold weather. And I see all kinds of things. And I see a all these pictures of thermometers with um, the temperature below zero, right? Or low temperature. And... I'm like, what I do is I start, I say it out loud what I'm looking at because just looking, I need to hear it. So I'm like, you know, okay, below zero, below. And it reminded me that when the client briefed us and what I knew is that frozen yogurt, they, in the brief, they talked about it being a skinny treat and that each serving was, you know, every ounce was like below 30 calories. So 30 below became one of the names that I came up with because it was just like, an interesting, unusual name. 
Um, then I see some people snowboarding, and their flagship location was in Salt Lake City, which is near all of these big ski resorts. So I see this guy snowboarding, and I'm like, oh, cool. And, like, I said it out loud, and I'm like, oh, so cool. That could be, like, I mean, but then I'm like, well, it's kind of cheesy on a T-shirt. So cool, right? But I still wrote it down. And then, you know, then I played around with the word cool. Just start with words in your brief and start looking up things online. Just, you know, I looked up coldest places on earth. I looked up names of ski runs. You know, maybe there could be something there. I mean, one time I was naming a men's clothing brand and my client was really into MMA fighting and I didn't know anything about it. So I'm like, all right, this guy is like masculine dude. So I Googled movie fight scenes, like top 50 movie fight scenes, top 50 movie chase scenes. And I just started looking. I'm, what I do is I don't read, I skim, right? So I'm looking for interesting things to pop out at me. And I'm skimming and I see stunt double. And I'm like, oh, that's the perfect name. Because here's a guy on his sofa, you know, eating flaming Cheetos. And he's watching, you know, sports. But he's a mat or he's watching some, you know, fast and furious movie and he's imagining himself as this dude, you know, stunt double. Like this is what the guy wants to be. So that became the name. Just look look in unusual places, but try to make um connections of metaphors. So if you were naming something that's fast, let's say you're in a tech company, you're naming a new microprocessor and it's extremely fast. So then I would go to Google Images and or a stock photo library and type in fast. And because photos are tagged with concepts, right? Then I'm going to see, you know, I'll see a, a puma. And I'll tell, I'm sure puma got their name. It's a metaphor for a fast animal, you know, the running shoes. So that's what you want to do or find words. Rhyming dictionaries are great. If you think of names like GoPro is a rhyme. Yummy Tummy is a name that I love for like a, spa a Spanx kind of brand. Synonyms, dictionaries, you're going to get ideas. Great. So thank you. That's so many, so much detail. Super interesting. And so to summarize it, so the first thing is you do this, uh, this creative brief and that make, puts things into a box, right? Like it creates the constraint that you need. And then you say, um, you know, write words related to your brand, uh, open dictionary, like look for synonyms, associated words, go to images, like feed, basically feed your brain, right? Like at this stage, it's not about picking a name, as you said. At this stage, it's, open your mind, just feed it anything, right? Please correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably will not find a name like that straight away. Uh, you probably need to feed your brain, stop thinking about it for a few days, maybe come back to it. And what I found interesting for naming and other stuff related to creativity is when you let your brain, you know, function in the background for a bit, sometimes the answer comes after a few days or sometimes a few hours. I don't know what, how the process is for you. Yeah, I'll g go for a couple hours and then take a break, um, maybe come back a few days later. But I think what helps is just writing down everything you come up with, even if it's not the name, because it could lead to something later. And especially if you're doing this task with other people, you can exchange, like my namers send me their list and I'll see a word and then that will make me think of a different name. So just looking at, at words could could be catalysts for other ideas. What I recommend people do is come up with a ton of names. Like, and don't just be like, okay, that's a name. Just keep going. Spend some time on it. Because if you think of how long your name is going to last, 
you need to spend some time on it. You know, a name is the longest lasting investment you'll ever make in your company is your name because it will, it's going to outlast, you know, every piece of office equipment you have, your most loyal employee, whatever you have, your name is still going to be there. So you better make sure it's good. And then, you know, you also need to do your trademark work. So even if you land on a name that you love, you know, there's a good chance somebody else is already using it. So you got to keep going. What happens if you've done all of those exercises you mentioned and you found a couple of good candidates for a name and you check the trademark database and it's already taken? So like, what are the scenarios there? Can you still trademark it? Obviously, you're not a legal specialist. This is not legal advice. We're just talking, but can you just trademark it if it's a different type of product or like what happens? Um, Yeah, if it's a different, you know, so for instance, in the States, we have Dove soap and then we also have chocolate bars named Dove. We are chocolate ice cream, ice cream bars dipped in chocolate. No one mistakes a bar of soap for an ice cream bar. We have Ace Hardware, Ace Bandages, Magnum is an ice cream. It's also condoms. So yeah, if you're in, you know, there's Delta Airlines, Delta Van Lines, Delta Delta Dental. So yeah, as long as brands aren't in the same space, you can share a name. And to close the loop about Spoon Me, because you mentioned that example throughout, which I think is, is, is fantastic. You share in the book a little anecdote about the fact that they were concerned about it, right? They, like it's it's not as if you came up with the name, gave them the name, and they were all happy. And when I say they, the people working for for the company, ready to go, right? So, what were the concerns? No, no, they did love. They actually they did love that name, but they 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 thought that it would be very controversial in Utah, and they all like right, they thought me. people would protest and all this stuff, which is. But that, that kind of that, it didn't happen at all. What happened is that the grandmas and grandpas in Utah, they thought the name was really endearing and sweet because spooning, you know, it's innocent with your clothes on. But, you know, <laughs> like I say, you got to be careful because spooning leads to forking. <laughs> oh, that's a great quote. Okay, moving on. No, but the, no, no, go back to it but without mentioning sp- the spooning too much at the. Um, the reason why I'm asking you this question is because I want people listening to realize that it's never this kind of perfect scenario, right? Like I described with Stand of a Couch in a very smaller scale, it never really feels 100% sure. It, it's, it's never without concerns or without fear that people might react differently, right? It's never perfect. It's always, it feels a bit messy. At least that's my interpretation. Until you see it on t-shirt, until people are saying back to you, and then it feels so fucking real. I'm going to say it's never that simple. It's never that easy. I mean, when I came up with the name Eat My Words, it popped into my head. It just, it, I was at a nail salon and she had all kinds of cool little stuff in her gift area. And I picked up this pen and the pen had like the end of a fork, like a piece of silverware. But instead of a fork being at the far end of of it, it was a pen. But it looked like a piece of silverware. And when I picked it up, yeah, I just in my head said, eat my words. And I'm like, that that was perfect because I was trying to come up with something that communicated names and things that, be, you know, the whole fat and drunk thing and eat my words seemed to fit the bill. But yeah, it's never that easy. Can you give me an example, uh, maybe something you haven't shared in the book of recent clients where, you don't have to mention the name of the client, by the way, where there was a lot of concern like from internally, they liked it, but they really felt like, oh, that could ruffle some feathers and people won't like us and, and customers will, will, you know, stop buying from us. You know, that, that kind of very fearful 
internally and then they went, they put the name out there and nothing bad happened? Oh, that's a good question. No, we don't try to force things down people's throat. Like if they don't like it, we, because a long, long time ago, I did that. There was a famous porn movie in the 70s called Debbie Does Dallas. And we had a client named Debbie who is a very well-known voiceover artist in New York City. And so I thought that her name should be Debbie Does Voiceovers. And she went with, I, I, I don't want to say I forced her into it, but I pushed pretty hard. So she used that as her name. And she said the men that she worked with just could not, like, she just... It wasn't working. Like, they were just relating it too much to the porn star. They weren't taking her professionally. So she went back to just using her own name. That's why I don't push very hard anymore. If somebody doesn't want it, I won't use it. But I do I have, I do have examples of people that where it, it wasn't necessarily a racy name, but it was something like my boyfriend, Glenn. Five years ago, I named his handyman business Call Glenn Again. And he was super, like... No, people are going to be like, oh, it broke, call Glenn again. And I'm like, no, no, they're going to be like, oh, you know, we need, you know, whatever, new our windows replaced, call Glenn again. And he didn't trust me, but he went with it. And now, you know, he has 12 employees and like people love the name. And now people are just, yeah, call Glenn. So once you do the creative brief, once you open your mind and like feed it everything that you can, what's next? Just come up with tons and tons of names and then just start, you know, run them through the smiling scratch test. And if something fails scratch on any of those letters, just scratch it off the list. Trust me on this. You you don't, those are all deal breakers. You don't want to have any of these issues with your name. And then, yeah, you do. I know you don't want to go through smile, but I'm just going to really quickly say, I mean, the S stands for suggestive. You want your name to suggest something about your brand. The M stands for memorable. Your name should be based in the familiar. So it'll be easier for people to recall it later on. Imagery is the I. If people can picture their name in their your name in their head when they hear it, it's going to help with recall. The L in smile stands for legs, and that means your name lends itself to a theme. With Eat My Words, obviously our theme is food and beverage. You know, our blog is called The Kitchen Sink. We have you know, a menu of services. You know, I'm introducing a new service called Snack, and we have Snack and Snack Pack. That's what you can do when you have a name with legs. You can have a lot of fun with it. And then the E stands for emotional, like you said. But yeah, do people, people do, marketers do throw around that word emotional a lot. But in this case, with a name, you do want a name that makes an emotional connection and resonates with people. Otherwise, it's going to go right over their head. Yeah, they won't care. They won't remember. We have actually a friend in common, the Yes Mistress, right? Uh, oh my gosh, yes, 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 Melanie. I've been working with her. I, I love the Yes Mistress. It's my favorite name to ever come out of someone that's read my book. And I'm actually helping her with, with some of her names around that. So I, uh, we actually, I coach her. I mean, consulted for her like for, for a while to develop her positioning, to develop her brand. And I remember at the stage of like naming, I gave her, I said, you should read that book. And in true Melanie's fashion, she went all in. Like she really, when she does something, she does it with intensity and all of that. And fuck, when she came back, when she came with that name, I was like, it's not that I loved it intense, uh, instantly. It's, 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 it'd be a lie to say that, but it was, wow, you know, it's, it's fucking good. But then once, once she started to use it and once she started to have people saying, hey, it's so good. I love it. Whatever. Then it felt really real and stuff. So yeah, the yes mistress, she does coaches with sales and stuff. 
So, yeah, I think it's a great example of someone on their own following the structure and willing to willing to really go deep uh, where she associates the, the world of uh, the dominatrix with the world of the sales. And yeah, it was spot on and she's very happy with it because clearly it's making a difference, right? And so or originally, I think of her, uh, the name she wanted was salesforcoaches.com or something like that. So. Yeah, no, Yes Mistress is so good. And I'm doing, I'm working on her, working with her on sales right now. And it's such a good name for a coach. I have a couple coaches right now and like, you need to obey your coach. So that's why I love her name. Any other names that maybe you didn't mention in the book or in this episode so far that you absolutely fucking love? Beside mine, obviously. No, I have to say the names that I love because they're worth mentioning because not everyone's going to read the book. My One of my favorite names ever is, I think this is my favorite name ever. It's a bike pump, an air pump, and it's named Joe Blow. <laughs> like that just make, makes me smile, you know, and that's what I mean by an emotional connection. If you can make someone smile, you're golden. Yeah, that's what I just did when you shared it. Uh, so it's, yeah, that's kind of the what you want, right? Uh, great mm -hmm. stuff. Okay, well, Alexandra, thank you so much for going through all of this with me. I just have a couple of questions that I ask all my guests before, before I let you go. What do you think marketers and folks doing marketing should learn today that will help them in the next 10, 20, 50 years? I think you should learn how, I think everyone needs to learn how to use chat GBT to their advantage. Um, look, can chat GBT come up with names? Yes. Are they, are they good? Not, not so much, but can I use it to, help fuel my brainstorming absolutely it's it i can and you know any anyone that's any namer that's oh no you can't yeah you can i asked it to come up with 50 names creative names for a dog wash and it actually did come up with some good names but you know it's never going to replace a, a human and i don't think chat gbt could come up with a name like spoon me or retriever or even eat my words so it's not it's not clever yet so I'd say learn learn how to use it and and don't be afraid of it. It is the future and the future is here. Um, everything we're naming these days has something to do with AI. Yeah. So yeah, that would be my advice. AI is not a trend, right? AI is here to stay. AI is, yeah. is, a, is a revolution of today. And if you give it a good brief, right, it really gives you good shit, you know, and you can really like challenge him or her or them, whatever you want to call that uh, that thing. And it's, it's really, really good. It's getting really, really good. So yeah, absolutely. I wanted to say it actually when you mentioned the brainstorming stuff, but I, I, uh, I didn't. But yeah, AI stuff are here to stay and so helpful for this kind of stuff. What are the top three resources you recommend listeners today? Um, well, people should read my book. If you're a marketer, the book should be in your library. It just um, it was named an eight top 10 marketing book. So I think that alone says why you should have it. Hello, my name is Awesome. How to Create Brand Names That Stick. Another marketing book that I love is Made to Stick by the Heath brothers, Dan and Chip Heath. That's the book that inspired me for the Smile and Scratch House. And it, you really learn how to make something sticky. And Dan Heath endorsed my book and said, you're nuts to name your product or company without reading this book first. And then the other, the other marketing resource that I recommend is another podcast called The Marketing Book Podcast with Doug Burdett. He is super funny he interviews great authors, and even if you don't read the books that they recommend, it's just a great way to learn about marketing. Great stuff. Thanks so much for all those resources, and thanks so much for spreading all that knowledge. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation. My pleasure. 
And that's it for another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said your content attacks the mind primarily which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do but we don't have the courage to do it our way Mark who just subscribed a couple uh, days before said this is my first issue of your newsletter love it glad I subscribed Brianna said I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one skim through the list two select all unread industry email except yours three delete and don't think twice four quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content is coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.